Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Last night at a megachurch rally in Arizona, President Trump declared, quote, this will be, in my opinion, the most corrupt election in the history of our country, and we cannot let this happen. Well, here to talk about elections, election safety, election fraud, is Vermont Secretary of State Jim Condos. He has been Secretary of State since 2010, and he is the past president of the National Association of Secretaries of State. Uh, Secretary of State Condos, uh, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's begin with President Trump. Uh, that remark, uh, this will be the most corrupt election in the history of our country. What is your response? Um, it's it's kind of hard to put it in words, but to be honest with you, it's uh, um, it, it's a, a atrocious statement to be making. He has no facts, no evidence. Uh, if you if you even go back to when he first was elected, and he created his uh, voter integrity commission, um, Republican and and Democratic secretaries of state across the country refused to give up the information he wanted uh, because we we looked at it as uh, nefarious, uh, and eventually that commission went away. It, it just disappeared. Uh, to be honest with you, he's provided no. Uh, no evidence of what he's making these statements about. And I've already heard from many of my colleagues, including, you know, many who are Republicans who are saying that this is just not helpful to our process. Um, our biggest issue with this is that this might uh, drive down voter turnout, uh, in a sense, be voter suppression. What do you, you know, what is the practical effect on that? Trump says what he says, and then the fact checkers come in the newspaper the next day and, and, and weigh in, and typically, as you say, there's no evidence, but it still has an effect. What do you think it is? It, it absolutely has an effect. Uh, he has uh, a strong group of followers, um, and, you know, we get, we hear the comments, even here in Vermont, I hear the comments. Uh, from folks who believe what he's saying. And, and uh, it's not helpful to the conversation. It's not helpful to the process. Uh, I will tell you that there are 50 secretaries of state across this country, and we are all working to uh, maintain a solid, sound, accurate, and free and fair election process. It's, it's just, it's not helpful. We all have our different ways of doing it, but it's it really isn't helpful to the process uh, to have these wild accusations and, and statements made out there. Uh, as to his motivation behind it, who knows? Well, uh, go ahead and, and offer some analysis. There, a lot of people are. Uh, why is he taking aim at election integrity? Uh, I think he wants, he, he's fearful that if the election doesn't go his way, then he'll be voted out. And uh, uh, I think that what he's trying to do is um, protect the message that he has uh, and actually energize his base to make sure they get out to vote. So Trump uh, has said himself that he believes that uh, mail-in voting and increased voter participation, in his words, will result in uh, no Republican will ever get elected again. 
But is there evidence that it favors one party more than another? Uh, the, actually, there isn't. That's a great question or a great statement. Uh, uh, there really is no evidence. In fact, I would just point to you, there are five states currently that uh, uh, have vote by mail, universal vote by mail. Those are Washington, Oregon, Colorado, Hawaii, and Utah. Uh, Utah, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination would be considered a democratic state. They have a, a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and a Republican governor, yet they embrace vote by mail. Uh, there was just a congressional race that was a special election that was uh, completed in California. I forget which district, but one of the districts in California, um, it was run almost totally vote by mail, and it was a Republican who won. There just is no evidence that this has will will result in one side or the other getting an advantage. In fact, uh, I think there are studies out there that that show that there's no advantage that it helps both sides. And and really though, I think the 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 crux of this should be the discussion should be: Don't we want everybody who's eligible to be able to vote, to be able to cast a ballot? To me, the greatest voter fraud that exists in this country is denying an eligible American the right to cast a ballot. What do we know from places that uh, either have universal vote by mail or who who are expanding vote by mail? What do we know about voter participation in those states? What kind of percentages? Uh, Generally, it goes up. Uh, I think on average, it's probably only two or three percent, but generally it does go up. Um, We expect to see a much higher turnout, even for our uh, uh, primary election in August, and that's only going to be run as a uh, request for for absentee rather rather than vote by mail where we directly mail it. Um, and that's by design. Uh, part of the problem that we have is we didn't have enough time to put in place the logistics in order to complete a direct mail of a ballot uh, to the uh, electorate. Uh, and, and keep in mind, David, I think you know this well, um, the primary is completely different type of election than, than the general election. First of all, the primary is usually 20 to 25 percent of, of the voter checklist. Uh, secondly, it's really three elections. Uh, it's a Republican election, a Democratic election, and a progressive election uh, to, to name the nominees for the general election ballot. Uh, so it is completely different. In the, um, the general election uh, in November, we'll, we'll see somewhere around 65, 70% or more who will vote. Uh, we hope to drive that number higher uh, uh, through the direct mail of a ballot to every active registered voter, but it's it's a it's a little bit different animal than it is for the the primary. So explain what it will look like this November, as you've said. The August uh, primary will be the the typical. Uh, if you can't get to if you think you can't get to the polling place, you ask in advance for your town clerk to send you the. Uh, the ballot. How's it going to work in November? So first, let me just back up for one second on the uh, uh, primary. Um, starting, actually, it, it's they're starting to go out today. We are mailing a postcard to every active registered voter. That postcard will have a tear-off uh, a return postcard to their town clerk that will allow them 
to request an absentee ballot for the for the August primary. Um, so that's that. Otherwise, that election is the same as it's always been. For the general election, there's only one change. And the one change that we're planning on is to directly mail a ballot to every active registered voter. Uh, other than that, the election will be run the same as it is now. Uh, you can return that in a prepaid uh, envelope uh, back to your town clerk. Uh, you can bring it into your town clerk's office and drop it off. You can bring it into the poll location and drop it off. Or if you happen to go to work and forget to bring your ballot with you, you can uh, actually go to the poll and request a ballot there. The, the town clerk will have the ability to check. They, they process as these ballots go out and come back, they process uh, who has who's returned a ballot. So they know who has returned a ballot, and uh, which is normal. We do that anyway. Um, and they'll be able, so you'll be able to do whatever you want. The only thing we're doing is making the, taking one additional step, and that is, providing that ballot to you in the mail. So that will come automatically. You don't have to request that. It will come automatically. And, and for the, and, and by the way, that starts September 18th. And this is currently planned as a one-time event. Uh, it's not the MO going forward in Vermont. No, it isn't. This, uh, prior to uh, the shutdown of, from COVID, uh, we worked with the legislators uh, both House and Senate, to provide uh, the authority to me uh, to be able to make election decisions as necessary in order to complete an election uh, in, in light of the COVID situation. And um, I mean, nobody knew we were going to be shut down basically for three months. Uh, we don't know what is in front of us. However, the experts are telling us to expect a surge, which I guess you could say is already occurring. Uh, and uh, we're fearful that uh, that will impact. And, and frankly, it's not just for the voters. It's also for the poll workers. Uh, if you consider there are poll workers at, at, at all of our polls throughout the state, for the most part, they are in that high-risk vulnerability cohort. And uh, the town clerks are already telling uh, our office that they're having difficulty lining poll workers up, even for the primary, but also for the general election, because people are just a little bit nervous. Now, our office has taken an approach. Uh, in fact, it's starting, they're starting to receive them today. We're sending infection, uh, infection prevention kits to every poll location that will include face masks, uh, face shields, uh, 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 rubber gloves, uh, you know, latex gloves, uh, and hand sanitizer, uh, Clorox wipes, uh, so that people can deal with this at the poll location. So we're taking this very seriously. So let me run some of the election fraud accusations by you and what the reality is. Uh, some of the ones that we hear from President Trump and others um, are that uh, partisans will be able to transport the ballots and alter them. We heard President Trump tweeted uh, that uh, foreign governments or foreign actors will be printing fake ballots. Uh, he's often uh, making the accusation that fake ballots can be printed willy-nilly 
Uh, he's saying that anyone could fill out a ballot that arrives at anyone's home. And uh, so you'd have widespread fraud that way. Um, just how do you answer those things? Uh, there's no proof that it, it, that, that happens. Um, and, and I would first start out by saying we've been sending overseas and military ballots since the Civil War to our military personnel and vote by mail. So it's, it's something that's been tried and true. Uh, there have been many studies done. Uh, there was one done by uh, 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 Professor Levitt in, at Loyola uh, in, in California. He looked at from 2000, I think it was 2000 to 2014, over 1 billion votes, that's B, billion with a B, uh, looked at over 1 billion votes that were cast in local, state, and federal elections. And the team in, uh, that he had found a, a, a potential, not confirmed, but potential for 31, only 31 uh, perhaps uh, voter fraud issues. Um, and some of those can be explained in different ways. Uh, it, it, just to give you an example, uh, during the 2016 election, it was brought to light, I think the Washington Post, that uh, Mike Pence was registered in seven states and had voted in, in six of the seven. Um, there were different Mike Pences. You can't rely just on a first name, last name. You have to look at middle initial. You have to look at not just birth year, but birth dates, driver's license numbers. There's so many factors that go into how we maintain our voter registration database. And much of that personal identifying information is not public. We know we have that information, but we don't put it out to the public. Now, there have been a variety of uh, efforts at voter ID laws that are intended to make it more onerous to vote. Uh, I think the Missouri Supreme Court just struck down an, initial, an effort to have um, absentee ballots required to be notarized. Uh, there, of course, are uh, laws being passed typically by Republican secretaries of state requiring government ID, uh, which is appears to be an attempt to depress voting by the elderly, by in communities of color. Um, how much do you worry about vote suppression nationally uh, having an impact on the 2020 fall election? So I've been having, um, making strong statements about it for the last couple of years uh, in my role as president of the National Association. Um, and and it's, it really is a concern when you hear about this. Uh, it, oftentimes you, the, the, the opponent or the proponents of, of voter ID will say that, uh, well, they're free, the IDs will be free. Uh, yeah, but in order for that free ID, you have to have a certified birth certificate. That may cost you 15 or $20. In order to, and then you have to go to a location, be it a DMV or whatever, to get that, that document. Um, and people, some people just don't have that capability. Uh, they don't, may not have vehicle transportation. Uh, they may live far away. And, and another example, I think, of this happening uh, that was proven to be a problem was in Wyoming, in Wisconsin, uh, uh, Governor Walker had said, 
well, we're going to have free voter IDs and anybody can walk into a DMV office and get one. And then in his next budget, he cut the budget on uh, DMV offices and they had to close a lot of their DMV offices around the state, therefore driving people to have to travel some 100 to 200 miles to get to a DMV office to get their free ID. So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that this can be um, um, masterminded. And uh, uh, what we should be doing is taking away any and all ob obstacles to voting. It is a constitutional right, both in our U.S. Constitution and our Vermont Constitution, to cast a ballot in, a, in an election. That is your voice. I guess what I'm getting at is that, uh, you know, the 2016 election was razor thin and every expectation is that uh, ignoring current polls, which I'm happy to ignore, that this will also be a razor thin election uh, where you'll have swing states, you know, one by one, two, three percent margins. Um, do you worry that voter suppression in those swing states, places like Florida, Ohio, Kentucky, well, Kentucky's not a swing state, but Michigan, uh, that voter suppression can make the difference of that one to 2%? And, and do you think that that could be in play? It, it is a worry. Um, and I think that uh, it, it's something that should be looked at or should be considered. And, and I'm sure that there will be uh, if you want to call them poll watchers on both sides of the aisle, uh, trying to ensure that, uh, that, that things are on the up and up. Uh, I do have my concerns uh, in some of those states. Uh, uh, I know Michigan is, is really moving forward. They're ramping up. Uh, they've got a new secretary of state. She's excellent. Uh, and they are working towards uh, uh, better voter access. Uh, and many states, you know, here's the thing, David, and I think this is important to know, right across this country, every state in the country has some form of absentee mail-in ballots. And most of the states, both Republican and Democrat, are trying to ramp that up this fall uh, in many different ways. Some are taking the approach that we are. We're, we're going to do an active vote by mail pro uh, uh, process. Others are just expanding their their um, absentee request. Uh, many states have already put into play uh, that you can that COVID is now considered a reason for requesting an absentee. And those few states that have uh, an excuse needed required uh, to to request an absentee. So almost every state in the country is trying to ramp up, and I'm hopeful that we will see it. Here's another thing. Um, here in Vermont. I get a weekly update on, on the number of, of uh, requests for absentee votes. So we have been tracking it now. And uh, as of this week, we are at a sevenfold, if you compare it to 2018. So we've had seven times as many people request absentee uh, ballots to be mailed to them than we did in 2018. And if you think about that, we haven't even promoted this idea of, of voting by mail. And this is happening across the country. Um, Wisconsin, in their um, uh, vote about eight weeks ago, they had, a, in, in a typical year, it would be about 100,000 
uh, absentee requests. This year, they had over a million. Uh, Kentucky just recently this week had, uh, I, I, I'll say similar numbers. I don't know the exact numbers, but had similar examples of a very low in the previous years and this year a much higher uh, turnout. Every state is working to reduce the number of in-person voting opportunities by expanding vote by mail. There was a, there was a disagreement between you and Governor Scott about expanding vote by mail. Uh, talk about what was at the heart of that disagreement and how it's been resolved. So the original language, Act 92, that came out in late March, um, provided me the authority to uh, make temporary, uh, for this year and this year only, make temporary changes to our election law to uh, deal with the COVID situation. Um, the, the House put in a provision that said, we originally had said in consultation with the governor, the House added the words in consultation and agreement of the governor. So the governor and I, his team and my team and I uh, worked for about eight or nine weeks trying to get to the point where we could just say, this is what we're going to do. Um, the governor said, and I believe him, that he did not oppose vote by mail. The governor said that he does not believe the voter fraud narrative that's out there. Uh, and the governor said that he trusts my, me and my team to be the experts on elections. Um, what, he, what his issue was, was twofold. One, he wanted to return to normalcy as, as quickly as possible. And two, he didn't want to make this decision until after the primary in August, saying that it, it, you know, we can't print the ballots anyway, so what difference does it make? And I had to inform him that we had a lot of logistics in place uh, that we had to make sure was working, that our IT systems, our voter registration database had the right information and, and, and in the right places so that we could work with the mail house to make these changes. And it's not something I could wait until August to do. In fact, the vendors that we were using and, and two of the three of them were Vermont vendors told us that they needed to know in May if we were going to do this in September. So that was the gist of where we were. Uh, and the, the governor said to me, and, and he said it publicly in his press conference, that he did not um, want to be in this position to make this decision. He did not ask to be in this position and that he would not stand in the way if the legislature decided to take him out of that position. Um, and that's what the legislature did in the last couple of weeks. They, the House and the Senate um, uh, passed um, S-348, which re basically removes the governor from the decision making and, and puts it solely in my hands. For just this year? For just this year. If the legislature wants to do this in the future, they would have to come back next year and pass a new law. Do you hope that it does continue, uh, universal vote by mail? Uh, I think this is the future. I think this is where we will end up at some point in time. I do know that uh, uh, the five states that currently do it are pleased with it. It's working well. 
uh, and um, we're hopeful that we'll have the same good fortune and that uh, it will work well here. And uh, then we, we will discuss it with the legislature. Okay. Well, uh, Secretary of State Jim Condos, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Vermont Conversation. You're quite welcome, David, anytime. That does it for this week's Vermont Conversation. You can hear this and all shows at uh, vermontconversation.com. You can tune in next Wednesday at one for another Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.